For about two years, <clears throat> I played basketball at Crown College when I was going to school there. And uh, my sophomore, I think, in junior year. And I didn't get much playing time, which is fine, you know, well-deserved, whatever. And I remember, I mean, I hardly got in the game, you know, bench warmer, you know, I'm tossing people towels, grabbing bottles of water, giving them to people, all those fun things. But, you know, it was great being on a team and being part of it. And I remember there was one, one game that we had. It was a home game. And for some reason or another, the coach, his name was Coach Hickman at the time, he saw me talking to somebody before, a uh, couple of people before the game. And he said, Chris, who's that? I said, oh, that's my mom and dad. Sure enough, he says, that's your mom and dad? Well, you're getting in the game tonight. <laughs> I got in there. I can't even remember what happened, but, I mean, it wasn't terrible. And I got in there because my parents were in town. That's what I feel like tonight. <laughs> I feel like I'm up here preaching. Pastor Bill, you know, I told him a couple weeks ago that you guys were coming, or last week, and, uh, you know, his name was on the docket on the, uh, for preaching tonight. And when he saw him, oh, yeah, I'm up now. My mom and dad are in town. So, And then to top it all off, after I did the track count, I walk, I walk out the door here. And when I'm walking down the hallway, I hear Jim Knott, and you guys start singing the song, Living for Jesus. And that happens to be one of my dad's favorite songs, if not my dad's favorite song. Yes. So I didn't know if you guys talked or something. Okay, so the history behind that song is that when we were homeschooled and Christian school, in the back of the Bible curriculum that you're, uh, you're supposed to do, there's, you know, 10, 15 songs, and one of those songs was Living for Jesus, and so we would go and we would sing it, and uh, for some reason, you know, my mom and dad, they think I can sing. I don't know what's, you know, it's kind of like your parents, uh, you know, they, oh, yeah, you could go to the NBA, you're good enough. You know, oh, yeah, you can sing, and I don't really watch American Idol, never really did, but I love watching the bloopers, the people who think they can sing. You remember those about 15, 20 years ago? They think they can sing. They had somebody like a good mom and dad that told them, oh, you're great, you're great. And they get up there on national television and embarrass themselves. That's me. And so, for some reason, he thinks, thought I could sing or still thinks I can sing, and I, I'm not good. And he has said, Chris, at my funeral, this is years ago, this is 15, 20 years ago, I still remember it, at my funeral, I want you to sing Living for Jesus as a solo. <laughs> Isn't that true? That is true. And so I'm just hoping I go before he does, because I don't want to do that. No. So that's the story for tonight. Psalm 139. Psalm 139, if you would, please. Look at this passage for a few moments. We're going through the series. This is the third, the third sermon on this book, The Seven Wonders. And if you have never seen this book, I highly, highly, highly encourage you to get it and also to share it with others. These are... There are seven questions in here that every person asks themselves in one way or another. The thing is not that you ask these questions. The most important thing is that you know the answers to these questions. And they are, it is utterly important. It's a short read. It's my kind of book. It's not really a, 
it's more of a pamphlet than a book, uh, one small page for each question. And a month or two ago, Pastor Bill asked me to preach on this. Some of you have heard the previous two. I'll go and I'll tell you what they were. Why do I exist? And the sub-question in there is, does my life really have any significance similar similar to the sermon tonight? Last time, about two, three weeks ago, I think, it was, is there a God? And if so, where is he and what is he up to? This week is, am I unique? Am I unique? And the sub-question is, do I have any real value? The rest of them, the fourth one is, why is life so unfair? And why do bad experiences happen to me? Fifth, why do I feel so alone? And why don't I have any real friends? Why don't I do what I know I should? My actions tend to betray my intentions. We've all been there. And then lastly, is there life after death? What about my future? Where will I go when I die? I would say the majority of people in this room know the answers to each and every one of these questions and could probably give good answers for them. But tonight, maybe we'll look at some things, and through the rest of the series, we'll look at a few things that may uh, maybe give a little bit more insight into that, but also ways that you can share this with others, because there's a world out there who desperately needs to know the answers to these seven questions. How do we know that? Go talk to them. People are lost. They have no hope. They're searching. Sadly, most of them are looking in all the wrong places, but until they run into you, that's where they find the right answers, Lord willing. And so let's look for a few moments. Psalm 139, we're going to start in verse 13 through 18. This is a psalm written by David. And it says here in verse number 13, Psalm 139, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as, they yet, yet, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these few words. Help us as we look into them. May they give us some insight into this topic of am I unique? And do I have any real value? And may by the end of this, may every person in this room, every person who hears this message on the podcast, on uh, the internet, Facebook, YouTube, website. May everybody know that they are important to you, they are unique, and that you love them so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, are we unique? A few points for you tonight. First one is, we are a unique creation. Now, this is generally speaking. I'm talking about all of mankind, the, from the first man that was made to the last one that is going to make Mankind is very unique from all of God's creation. You don't have to turn here in your Bible, but you can if you would. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. This is what the Word of God says. And God said, let us make man in our image 
after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Let me say it this way. Mankind is the apex of all of God's creation. I think it's interesting that two places in this passage, it makes an emphasis in verse number 26, and then down there, a re-emphasis in verse number 27 about man is made in the image of God. Like it reiterates it a second time so that we can really understand that there is a difference. Now, if we look at man, what day was man made on? Going back to Sunday school here, the sixth day, yes, good. And what else was made on the sixth day? Animals, animals and man, absolutely. They were made on the same day, but yet totally distinct and different from one another. You think about how much God loves his creation. He said, behold, it was good. But yet we are different, very good. We are totally, totally above the rest of God's creation. Think about everything he made. The most beautiful places you have ever been. Some of you have got to experience that, go all over the world to different places. You've got to see every kind of unique animal and unique creature maybe that's out there. You've got, some of you, like Pastor Bill, dive down deep into the ocean and see the beautiful creation that God has made. But you are more important to God than all the rest of that. How do I know that? Well, because you are different than the rest of it, because you were made in the image of God, and they weren't. Now, mind you, I said that man is the apex of all of God's creation. You say, well, okay, well, everything in this world, sure. No, I'm talking about everything that God has ever made that we ever know about, that we ever come across in the Bible. Some people say, some people will say, oh, well, the Bible says that man was made a little lower than the angels. Do you know what the difference between the angels and us are? What's the difference? We are made in the image of God. The angels are not made in God's image. We are made in the image of God. There is a vast difference between that. And yes, we are made a little lower than the angels, which seems to refer to, in a power standpoint, not as strong as angels are. And also, we could even uh, jump over to 1 Corinthians 6.3. We're not going to. But Paul says, know ye not that we will judge angels? You ever thought about that? We are the apex of all of God's creation. We don't say that in a proud standpoint. That just is what it is. And so somebody who's struggling with, do I really matter? Well, I'll say if you're part of mankind, you matter immensely to God. You did not happen just by random chance. I think one of the worst things that has happened to society is the push of evolutionary process in our school system. 
Terrible. Terrible. Right now, we are reaping the repercussions of that happening. I don't think there's any coincidence that suicide is at an all-time high when they're pumping our kids and our children through with all this foolishness. Man was created by God uniquely and for a divine purpose. Christ died for you above all the rest of creation. Have you thought about that? Now, in in Sunday school, just for about two seconds, I mentioned this this morning for some reason, but we are waiting for the resurrection, for all things to be made new, new bodies, new life, new world. Now, the creation does have a part in that as well because the Bible talks about how that all creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, waiting for the adoption to wit. Meaning that they, even creation, the animals, the vegetation, the plants, everything is waiting for all things to be made new and for the curse of sin to be gone once and for all. And although, yes, God is going to make all things new, mankind as a whole has a special place in the heart and mind of God. And you and I are the reason why Christ died on the cross and why he was buried and why he resurrected, why he went through all that shame and all that torment and all that torture for you and for me. And the creation, that's just kind of a bonus on the side. We are unique. We're unique individually. Psalm 139, 13, the first verse we read says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. We are all made uniquely different. Some people say, well, I don't feel very special. There's 8 billion, maybe close to 9 billion people in the world right now. And who am I among 9 billion people? I mean, these are thoughts that real people have. Now, those of us that know Christ as our Savior, maybe we don't struggle with this, but maybe you can think back to a time when you thought through some of these questions and put yourself back back in your shoes before, someone else's shoes. I mean, think one out of eight or nine billion people. We think about the fingerprint. Look down at it. You are the only one throughout history that has had this fingerprint. You thought about that? That's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. You think about your DNA code, unique to anybody else that has ever lived. Say, well, that's kind of cool. That's kind of neat. It's amazing. When you start looking at the details, if your DNA could be stretched in sequence, now this comes from the book. If your DNA could be stretched, stretched in sequence, it would go 93 million miles Yours, just yours, 93 million miles. That's to the sun and back 400 times. You tell me that God doesn't care about the details. That's fascinating. It's unbelievable. You are totally unique and made in the image of God. And you are you because God made you that way. You can look 
around the room. You can look at the person next to you. And we all think, I'm glad God didn't make me like you. That's what we think. <laughs> you know, there's some things maybe I don't like about myself. But when I start looking around, you know, I'm pretty thankful. We are totally, totally unique individuals. Physically, we got some that are tall, some that are short, some that are right in the middle. We've got some that are fast. We've got some that are slow. We get some that get to play basketball and start, and we have others who get to play when their parents show up into town. All different kinds. And it's easy to be unsatisfied with the way God has made you, maybe. Or maybe from time to time I think, wow, I wish I had this special ability or that special ability. But then we must look back at the word of God where he says in that same verse, thou hast possessed my hands, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Which means that God formed your attributes before you were even born into this world, God chose exactly who you were going to be. Not just some random thing that he hit the play button and this thing has just been rolling out throughout history for the last, you know, 6,000 years or however, however long, 6,000 years or so, and we're just going on with time. God individually, like he says, possessed my reins and covered me and covered you in our mother's womb and made us exactly who we are. And so don't be discontent with who God made you to be. Because we're going to get in a minute about how God has a special purpose for each and every person. How we all have a different role to play in this grand scheme of life. We all have different talents. Some are eloquent. Some are intellectual. Some are average. Some are exceptional. We all have different gifts and abilities God has given us. And we can spend our entire lives going around wishing that we had this person's talents or that person's talents or somebody else's abilities. Or we can harness the gifts that God has given us and actually do something that's going to matter for all of eternity. And not only that's going to matter for all of eternity, but ultimately that's going to bring glory to God. That he might be lifted up and that the world might see him for who he truly is. Because right now the world has a terrible view about who God is. But we have the chance and the opportunity to show the world how good God really is. Our circumstances are all totally different. Think about this. There has been no one throughout history that has had, had, that has had your exact set of circumstances. I mean, exactly. From birth, you didn't get to choose where you were born. I would have chose Florida. But, Connecticut. I won't tell you the town, so you don't try to, you know, go online and steal my, you know, social security number and all that, my place, my town of birth. But it was in Connecticut. And, no one in here got to chose the family, choose the family that they grew up in. I think there's probably all been a time or so in our lives where we said, well, I wish I could, you know, I want their mom or dad. <laughs> That's just the natural way things go. My boys, we were over at uh, the Fisher's house. I don't know if the Fisher's are here tonight. Uh, we were over at the Fisher's house a few months ago, and they have a pool. 
And you know what? My kids totally disowned me for a swimming pool. They said they wanted to go live at her house. They wanted to stay at, you know, Peggy and Jarvis's house because they have a pool. But you know what? They were not born into a family that had a pool. They don't get one. They can get over it. We all have different circumstances. We all have different jobs. We all have different roles to play. We all have different family members. The major life events that have happened in your life, and I would even say the major tragedies, have all been God-ordained, and he knew about each and every one of you. And all of those events that took place has been forming you to be the person who you are today. Romans 8, 28, for all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. First of all, you got to love God. If all things are going to work together, which I think this grand group of people, Sunday night Christians, I would assume, I would hope that you love God. And if you do, all things are working out for your good. And everything that has happened in your life up till now is made you to the person who you are today, uniquely designed by God. Don't take yourself, don't take your life for granted. You are unique and you are 100% special to God. Think about witnessing. Remember, we're all in different circumstances here. You live next to people that I don't live next to. God's placed you there for a specific purpose. You work with people that I don't work with. God's placed you there for a specific purpose, uniquely. You have family members that I don't know, that I will probably never know. But God saved you out of all the rest of your family for such a time as this, to be a testimony of the grace of God. Be thankful for the circumstances that God has put you in. Don't be bitter. Don't be bitter. That's going to get you absolutely nowhere. It's going to leave you empty inside like the world that's out here dying to, to hope that there's something more. God has a special plan and has ordained everything that has come into your life up until this point. Thirdly, not only creation, not only we're uniquely, in, uh, we're unique individually, but we are uniquely part of God's plan, which I've hinted on a little bit. Oftentimes we use this term, the priesthood of the believer. The priesthood of the believer. Now, if you look at almost any church's doctrinal statement, you can go online. Most churches now all have websites. You can go online, and you can see on their website, click on their doctrinal statement, and usually there's a section in there called the priesthood of every believer. Now, what does that mean? That means that you, essentially, that you are going to give an account of your life to God on your own, that there is individual accountability to God, that everybody at some time that God has already ordained is going to stand before God and is going to give an account for their life. There's no riding on the back of anybody else. We're not standing there. Some people have this idea that when we get to heaven, we're just going to stand in this big group and, okay, this is, I'm with my family. No. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible teaches. Or, you know, here's my church. We're all standing together. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. 
you say, well, maybe, maybe our country, we're going to stand. I'm sorry, that's not the way it works. This may terrify you, but you and I are going to stand before God individually. Now, if I think about how many billions of people have already lived on this planet, I think about me, does that make you feel a little special that God is going to have a one-on-one conversation with you when this life is over? I mean, that makes me feel kind of special. I mean, enough that he doesn't just group me in a big sum of people. That makes me feel kind of special that I'm going to be standing there face-to-face to God. Now, that can also be kind of uh, terrifying at the same time. I mean, right? Because if we've lived the right way, great, it's going to be a great meeting. If not, ooh, probably not so much. The Bible says, Romans 14, 12, the book of Romans talks a lot about salvation, uh, as Paul writes to the uh, Christians at Rome. It says in verse 12 of chapter 14, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. And at a unique time, that only God knows it is already determined the exact time and the exact place that you are gonna stand before God. That's pretty crazy. I mean, he already knows the moment, the second where you are gonna step right up before him. Wow, that's pretty heavy. But God cares about you uniquely. Think about this. There is a name, your name, written in what the Bible calls the book of life. I don't know what the book looks like, but every person's name is written in the book of life, except the people who take the mark of the beast, which the Bible says their names were never written in the Lamb's book of life. So don't take the mark of the beast, anybody in here. Um, if so happens. But everyone else's names are written in that book. And of course, they can be blotted out. Those ones who don't trust Christ as their Savior, repent of their sins, uh, believe the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. But nonetheless, their name is in there uniquely and individually, special to God. Pretty crazy, pretty amazing. We're unique in God's plan In the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, we're not going to look at it. We're not going to turn to it for time's sake. But 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body of Christ and how we have all different members. And you are part of a team. As I mentioned before, not everybody gets to play all the time. But in God's, hey, listen, but in God's team, we're all in the game. We need people. God needs people who want to get in the game, get in on the action. So many people just sitting on the sidelines doing nothing. Get involved. A quote that's often preached is 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work. I would say that can be pretty accurate. 20% of the people, and it seems like when a new project comes up, who do I tend to always call on? The 20% who are already real busy don't really have the time to do it, but they make time to make it happen. What I'm saying is if you don't have a part in the body of Christ, you're not getting involved in the local church. Get involved. Do something. You don't got to do everything. You got to find one thing that God wants you to do and be a part of it and do it to the best of your ability. I mean, how much could Gospel Baptist Church grow? Grow. I'm not talking about just people. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about where you see 
some real change and we see God really move in our midst. We see people saved, baptized, things start to move. If everybody, if even 80% of the people got involved with their whole heart. The problem is, is so many people don't do anything because they don't like the job that maybe is laying out in front of them. The body's made up of many members, but everybody wants everybody else's job. <laughs> That's part of the problem. I mean, everybody, if everybody wants to be an eye, imagine how many eyes on a face. That'd be a monster. It'd be hideous. It'd be ugly, nasty. No, not everybody can be an eye. Not everybody can be a hand. Not everybody can be a feet or an arm. Think about today we were in our bus meeting before the buses rolled out. And for some reason, I was talking about the different roles in the bus ministry. And while I was getting ready uh, this evening, I thought the bus has so many different different roles that people must play for it to work. But so many people, oh, I don't want to help out in the bus because I, I, I want to be the captain. I mean, I've seen what these captains go through. Do you really want to be the captain? <laughs> but nonetheless, want to be in that high position of authority. Imagine, look, you got to have a bus, you got to have a bus captain, you got to have a bus driver, have to have a secretary, you got to have a runner, goes up to the door, knocks on, make sure the kids don't get hit by a car while they're crossing the street. And you got to have somebody who's like an entertainer or interaction with the kids and also, you know, the disciplinarian. And make sure the kids behave, sit on the bus. You got to have about all those five different roles. But, you know, the bus ministry does not work effectively if you don't have each person doing the job that they're supposed to do. If the secretary starts wanting to be like the bus captain... First of all, you got two people trying to be in authority, which is not going to work. Second of all, then her job, then, you know, something happens. We don't have record of the kids. Incident occurs. Can't contact the parents. Don't know what's going on. you got to have it. If the runner says, oh, no, well, I want to have all the fun on the bus, and I don't want to have to run down to the door, you're late to church. You get what I'm saying? Every part comes together to accomplish the job of getting young people and adults on the bus safely and to church safely and back home safely. It's the same thing in the body of Christ in the church. You say, oh, well, you know, they've already got all the help they need. No, 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 no. Come on now. I mean, there's new things and new ministries that we can start if we have some folks who are interested in helping. Seriously, seriously. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get involved. God needs you and wants you on the team. 1 Peter 4, 10, it says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What he's saying, if you've been gifted in some area, use it because you need to be a good steward of the manifold grace of God. It means God's blessed you. You owe something to God. You say, well, I don't like that. Well, tough luck. That's just the way it is. God's blessed you. Be a good steward of what he's given to you. Invest in something else. Why? If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do so as in the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom praise and dominion forever and ever. Why get involved at a local church? Get together with a body of believers. Find your part. Find your ministry. Why? Is it so we can pack out and have every, every spot in the parking lot full? Who cares about that? It's so that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You're not doing this for me. You're not doing it for Pastor Bill or for whoever else you're trying to impress. We're doing this for the glory of God. 
And God has a unique job and a unique role for you that you can fill if you're willing. You're not just one of two, 300 people that come here to church. God has a unique plan for you in the body of Christ and in his plan really for the universe. And fourthly, the sub-question, do I have any real value? John 17, 23 says, Jesus was speaking, he says, I in them and thou in me, that they might be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, here's the thing, and thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. God loves you. God loves you. So many people struggle with what is called self-worth. Self-worth. I don't feel like I'm really valuable. Let me tell you, you are valuable to God. Some people say, well, it wouldn't make a difference if I was alive or dead. To God, it would make a difference. How much does he love you? Well, enough to die for you. Jesus said, two sparrows are sold for a farthing. And, you know, God knows when one of those falls to the ground. If he knows when one of those falls to the ground, surely, surely, he knows about the circumstances, the issues, and what's going on in your life. That's the point he was trying to make. He says that the, the very hairs on our head are numbered. Now, for me, he's scratching them off one by one. He's got like a tally mark up there, and he erases another one off. Erases another one off. But I mean, down, what, what, what Jesus is saying is down to the finest details, he knows us down to the finest details. How much does God love you? A verse in the book of Acts says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is when, um, I believe it was uh, Peter was preaching uh, to some Jews and he said that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, again, he's talking present tense because he's talking to the people who really crucified Christ, who were responsible for it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much did he love those people? He loved them that while they were still sinning, he died for them. While they were still mocking him, he died for them. What love is that? Think about you and me. Now, again, I said that that verse, that he was speaking in present tense. Now, if we read that verse, we don't say, well, while Jesus, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, because that's not really true for us. What's true for us? Before we were even sinners. Christ died for us. Before. I mean, God knew every sin that you would commit and every trespass you would have, but yet he still loved you enough to come and die for you. People, you've never had a friend. You've never had a loved one who has loved you as much as God loves you. Uh, Psalm 139, verse 6, a few verses before, David is just describing how, you know, amazed he is about how much God knows about him. He's amazed that God knows when he wakes up, when he goes to sleep, he knows uh, his thoughts. He knows every word, like before it comes out of his mouth, that God knows. And he says in verse 6, 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain unto it. He's saying, that blows my mind. It blows my mind that God knows that much about me. But what he's getting at is, you know that much about me, but yet you still love me. There's not a person in this world that would love us the same way as God loves us if we offended them in the same way we offended God. God loves you immensely, enough that he would send Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins. And God loves us despite our faults. And you are just as valuable to God as everyone else. How much do I like that? I love that. You are just as valuable to God as everyone else. You ever get to a place where you feel like, man, I feel like God likes these people, but he likes me. You know, you get a, a, a good preacher to come to town. You got like Scott Pauley, hey, Calvary Quartet. Man, God, God must really like those people. Here's a secret. He likes you just as much. He loves you just as much. You say, well, well they got something special. Well, yeah. They're in tune with God. Great. You can be in tune with God too. You can have that closeness, that freshness, that tight relationship with God like they do. The only thing that's hindering it is you. Seriously. God loves you just the same. As parents, you know, we're not supposed to have favorites, right? How many of you have favorites? Come on now. Come on now. Everybody with only child, they raise their hand. Yeah. Yeah. Only children raise their hand. Now, the truth is we have favorites. We do have favorites. I got my mom and dad here. Who's your favorite? (laughs) I don't have to ask. You know why? Because I know my mom's favorite is my older brother. I already know that. She admits it. My dad's favorite is my sister. I'm just the neglected middle child. And they come down a lot now, but I don't think it's to see me either. I think it's to see my kids. But as parents, we all have favorites. I do have, I do have a favorite. Now, Heather doesn't like me to say this, but my favorite changes like from day to day, you know, depending on the circumstances. This one's causing trouble. Okay, this one's my favorite today. You know how that works. I mean, that's kind of, God doesn't work that way, people. He's not sitting here playing favorites preferring others, one somebody over somebody else. That's just not the way it goes. Romans 2.11 says, for there is no respecters of persons with God. God's not sitting there cutting a break for one person and making life hard on you. That's not the way it works. You are uniquely special to God. We're the apex of his creation. We're unique individually with all our different characteristics, physical abilities, talents, our circumstances. We're unique to God's plan as a whole. And in God's grand scheme, in this grand scheme of life, and the grand plan, of, plan that God has, you have a unique purpose. And you are uniquely special to God Almighty. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for a few moments to look on this topic. And we can't understand how your mind works. We can't put all the pieces together. We can't even begin to figure it out how that you know every little detail about us and simultaneously you know every little detail about 
every other person who has ever existed. It literally just blows our mind. We're amazed at it. But we feel special nonetheless. And I pray tonight that if there's one person in this auditorium or one person listening over the internet that is, is struggling with feeling unique or struggling with self-worth or wondering, does God really love me or care about me individually? May your Holy Spirit come to them, speak to their heart, touch their lives. May you comfort them and let them know that they are unique. You loved us enough to send your son Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. What more could you do? Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. You loved, it so, you loved us so much. May each person see that clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.